uh, I, that, that would be my advice, you know, just ask yourself when you're feeling out of sorts, you know, how free do you want to be? Because there's just some simple tools you can use to get back to that freedom. My sponsor told me, and I believe it, you know, I'm either I'm either moving towards a drink or moving away from a drink. Like once I put it down, things started to seep in, to take hold, and I started to hear things I just wasn't capable of hearing. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. Today is January 7th, and we have a guest. Riley R. from Philadelphia shares his experience, strength, and hope on the concept of the turning point. What's it like to be at the turning point in your journey to sobriety, your journey of recovery? I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, it's great to have you on the show, Riley. I wonder if you would help us out and read for us to to get things started. Absolutely. January 7th, at the turning point, half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked this protection and care with complete abandon. And that is from uh, the book Alcoholics Anonymous, page 59. Every day I stand at turning points. My thoughts and actions can propel me toward growth or turn me down the road to old habits and to booze. Sometimes turning points are beginnings as when I decide to start praising instead of condemning someone or when I begin to ask for help instead of going it alone. At other times, turning points are endings, such as when I see clearly the need to stop festering resentments or crippling self-seeking. Many shortcomings tempt me daily. Therefore, I also have daily opportunities to become aware of them. In one form or another, many of my character defects appear daily. Self-condemnation, anger, running away, being prideful, wanting to get even, or acting out of grandiosity. Attempting half measures to eliminate these defects merely paralyzes my efforts to change. It is only when I ask God for help with complete abandon that I become willing and able to change. Thanks for reading that. And I'm curious, Riley, why did you select January 7th? Why at the turning point? Mike, this, this is this is just how it works um, for my higher power coming into play. I, I didn't select at the turning point. I guess it selected me. I, um, you know, when you asked me about doing this, I was I was eager to do it. And, uh, you know, part of my personality, I think, in wanting to be first or getting there early, I looked at, you know, dates you had available and uh, thought that January 7th was a good date. It was a far enough ahead that I could, uh, you know, have some time to prepare, and, but also close enough that I'd be one of the first ones on this podcast. So, <laughs> you know, I'm sober, but I'm not I'm not rid of my uh, my feelings of grandiosity sometimes. <laughs> and then when I, uh, you know, but but here's the thing, Mike, really, honestly, when I when I, I knew that whatever I, whatever called to me, it was going to have some special meaning to me. And I was kind of excited to see what the reflection was for January 7th. Once I looked at that date and said, I want to do January 7th, I was kind of excited to see what it said because I knew it was going to, I knew it was going to have some special meaning for me. And when I opened it, it sure enough, it does. And, and that's just what, you know, I, that's just part of kind of my new belief of b- believing things are the way that they are, the, the, the way that they're supposed to be. And um, when I read it, you know, the first words, uh, half measures availed us nothing, just jumped out at me because I have a really good friend in the program who, uh, her, her name is Susan D and she's been, um, she just, she's just one of those people in the program that when they share, they bring it and it's always something meaningful, something that, that you can take away and you're, you're happy to hear them share about something because you know, you're going to get something out of their share. And, uh, she often shares something her sponsor told her, which is that, uh, it says half measures availed us nothing. 
It doesn't say half measures availed us half. So like, you know, if we, if we make a half measure, we're not going to get anything out of that. We're not even going to get half. And I, and I just, that always rings true. I mean, so when I read that part, I knew that uh, I knew I was right where I needed. For the audience, uh, tell them a little bit about your background and, and what brought you to the rooms. Like most of us, probably all of us, you know, I, I, I didn't come into this thing willingly. I didn't come in, you know, with, uh, with a, with a, with a winning track record, as they say. And, um, and I didn't even know that I needed it. No way did I think that I was an alcoholic and uh, in need of a program. But luckily, I had a had a had a nanosecond of clarity when I realized that I um, that I, that I had a drinking problem and I needed some help. And that that came in the office of my therapist, uh, who I was meeting with and had been meeting with her for more than a year, every week, once a week, and not happy with the way my life was going. Um, I was on the verge of uh, a divorce and, and crazily, I was okay with that because I thought my wife was the source of my problems. <laughs> I thought my, the job was the source of my problems and, uh, and I just wasn't happy with her. And I, and I told her that, uh, you know, I needed a plan and, um, and she wasn't helping me too much. So she needed me to, and, you know, whenever I got drunk, I was all, I always, it always led to, to other behaviors that I regretted. And so. I told her since she didn't have a plan for me, my plan was going to be that I was just going to, when I went out, I was just going to have one or two drinks. That way I wouldn't get drunk. That way I wouldn't lead to other bad behaviors. And she said, well, why don't you try not drinking? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? That's not even, that's not even part of this equation. And she said, how about you go the next week without drinking and we'll see if you come in next week with the same regrets and same shame. And I looked down that week and um, this is a Tuesday. It was July 2nd. July 4th was on a Thursday and I was like, there's no way I'm going through July 4th weekend without drinking. Are you crazy? Like we even got an extra day because it's on a Thursday. And that nanosecond came in where something deep down said, you can't do it. And it scared me because I knew it was right. And I knew that like, you know what? I could probably make it through July 4th weekend without drinking, but it would be so miserable that I would want to do anything but that. And that made me realize I had a problem. And she'd been talking to me about my drink and she'd talked to me about rehabs and, and my wife had been talking to me about rehabs and, you know, I resisted it all. But in that nanosecond, the hair on the back of my neck stood up and I realized I had a problem. I realized I couldn't do it. And I said, you know, maybe you had better call that rehab. And, uh, and uh, she did. And, it, and they had a bed for me on that Friday. I went home and had a drink that day, had a drink the next day, but decided that I couldn't get drunk the day before I went into rehab because only alcoholics did that. And so that Thursday, July 4th became uh, the first day I went without a drink. And that was seven years ago. And uh, so my, my uh, sobriety date is July 4th, 2013. The reading uh, mentions half measures and you talked a little bit about that. Tell me what full measures look like. What does your program look like today? Well, you know, one other reason that, that this, that this, this reading picked me is because it's also filled with um, some things that I really bring close to heart. I, I say often that this program gives me many opportunities to work it, you know, and, and I just have to take advantage of those opportunities. And, and the reading talks about, you know, my uh, shortcomings coming up, presenting themselves, daily opportunities to become aware of my shortcomings. And, and those are each opportunities to work my program. My sponsor told me, and I believe it, you know, I'm either, I'm either moving towards a drink and moving up or moving away from a drink. And when those opportunities come up and they come up all the time, whether it be, you know, seeing alcohol and, and, and having a, a flashback about what it was like when I thought it was fun or whether it be, you know, someone 
cutting me off and me wanting to react with, uh, you know, give them the finger or yell or curse at them or, you know, me, you know, trying to do work and, and, and my child wants, one of my kids wants some of my time. And, and I want to say, don't you see what I'm doing? I'm trying to, you know, it snowballs into I'm trying to work so that I can provide a house over your head and send you to school. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm all thinking about, you know, how your interruption is going to keep you, keep me from paying for college for you in 10 years. Um, it could go crazy like that. And each time, those are my opportunities to work my program. You know, do I take a deep breath? Do I pause before I react? You know, do I play the tape through when that thought of, you know, what it used to be like comes through? You know, those are always opportunities that the program gives me to work it. And so for me, my program looks like trying to really input and, and work this thing in, in all my affairs. Try not to, trying to resist the urge from categorizing my program from my life. A lot of times I can put my the, the program on the shelf until I'm ready to go to a meeting. Then I take it off the shelf. I put on my armor of AA and I go into the meeting and I'm like filling it and getting it all up. And then I come out or and, and, and I take it off or something happens where, you know, some problem with work comes up. And I'm like, OK, wait a minute. I, everything else has got to be pushed to the side while I focus on this thing. And that often means that my program gets put on the shelf. Or, you know, my wife and I have a disagreement and all of a sudden, you know, I'm not trying to use the program. My, you know, I'm daily trying to bring in the lessons that I learned from the program and, and involve them in everything and, and, you know, really put this program first. And when I do that, those are my best days, even if something horrible happens, even if terrible things happen. And those things have happened. But when I when I go to my program first and um, which means just, you know, it's just a really basic set of things that I that I that I know to do, you know, that that Putting my program first means connecting with my higher power. It means talking to my sponsor. It means talking to my sponsees. It means talking to other people in the program. It means reading the literature. It means praying. It means meditating. When I'm doing those things, man, there's it, it, life is good. I'm, I'm present and uh, life feels really great. And it feels really great because it doesn't have to be everything going right. It doesn't have to. You know, I used to think that life was good when I get to that point where I'm living on a yacht. Or, you know, being able to take these great vacations and I'm free of ever having any type of negative thing happen. To me, happiness was the absence of negative things happen. Now, happiness is the ability to deal with, with life when negative things happen and when positive things happen. So, Riley, I love what you said about these opportunities. And, and in the daily reflection, it's they're turning points, right? And, you know, so often life gets lifey. We experience challenges and you know, today I'm fortunate. Um, I usually make the right decision. Usually I can see my character defects popping up, but sometimes I don't. And sometimes I, I make the wrong decision. Has that ever happened for you? And what do you do in those cases when maybe you're not acting in accordance with your, you know, the, the plan for your sobriety? You know, that, that's, a, that's a great question. And it's, an, it's a great question because it brings up for me kind of two different, two different points or two different um, and situations that have happened to me since getting sober. One is like to, you know, to remember what it was like when I first came in and, and, and um, when I messed up, one of the things I learned about, I realized early in sobriety is that messing up wasn't so bad anymore. I wasn't burning down the house because when I messed up before, it usually um, was the result of drinking and other things or, I usually treated it with drinking or other things. I I don't like being uncomfortable. If I get in an argument, I want to, if I get, if I'm unhappy, I want to get back to happy. And that often meant 
Let's go out and party. Let's go out and drink. Let's go out and, and turn things up to get happy. You know, there's no reason to be uncomfortable. Let's do that. So whenever things went badly for me before, that's how I reacted. Or, of course, when I was drinking and out there, I would do bad things that created problems for me. Um, when I got sober, when I stopped drinking, when I messed up, when I lost my temper, when I missed a deadline, when I whatever I did, I wasn't doing more damage by drinking and then creating more turmoil and more drama and, and, and more obstacles between me and whatever that problem was. So I had an opportunity to get it right because I wasn't making more problems for myself through drinking and using because the, the drinking and all that came with its own host of other problems, you know? And so I had an opportunity to get it right. One thing that the, you know, that the program teaches me is, is the ability to, to say, you know, to face my problems and face what I did wrong and do something about it. And then right up to today, you know, when I don't get it right, luckily, if I'm doing a 10 step, I can, you know, recognize it right away and, uh, you know, apologize if I need to and, um, you know, correct my behavior. That's not always the case, though. It's not always that I recognize it right away. And sometimes I don't recognize it until I'm like a couple days down the road. I'm like, why am why are why am I acting like why is things so weird? Why am I so ir- irritable? Why why are people getting on my nerves? You know, and, and the reason that I can recognize that is because I know what serenity feels like. And so when it doesn't, when I don't feel serene, when I don't feel that balance, it gets my attention. And sometimes, you know, I now have a very low tolerance, luckily, for for being uncomfortable. And um, and, and I can be like, wait a minute, something something's off and something's not right. It, it may take a couple of days, but then I realize, oh, this is bothering me. This thing that, you know, that I kind of tried to brush off a couple of days is still bothering me. I never prayed about it. I never truly sought to address it head on. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm, I'm feeling annoyed. That's why people are, are getting on my nerves and like, and I better do something about it. Or it may be the people around me, you know, this is why they tell you to stay in the middle of the herd. Hey, Riley, what's going on with you? Or, hey, Riley, I haven't seen you at the meeting or I didn't hear you share at that meeting. Or when you shared, you know, it kind of sounded, you know, what's going on with you? Or, you know, my, my, my closest, you know, ally and confidant, my wife, would be like, hey, what's, what's up with you? You know, there would be times when she'd be like, yeah, you need a meeting, you know, <laughs> you need a meeting because, because she knows, you know, she can see that imbalance. And, uh, and that's the beauty of it is that I no longer have to respond to that discomfort with a drink and, and, and burn the house down and make it worse. You know, it, it comes now uncomfortableness or, or, or uncomfortability feels, uh, you know, it comes with it an opportunity again, an opportunity to, to right the wrong and, and to, to get back on my, on my square. And, that, and that's, that's great. That's fantastic. Do you, do you find a massive difference between the person you were before you got sober and now? Well, here's one thing I'll say. When I think about like who, who I am now compared to who I was when I came in, um, the beauty of it is that uh, I'm definitely different than, you know, you wouldn't, you know, I you put, put two and two together and put them side by side. You wouldn't recognize one from the other. Um, but now I feel like I am the person I'm moving toward, I'm becoming the person I was meant to be. Mm. I, you know, I never really, I don't ever really sat down and say, okay, who, what kind of person do I want to become when, when I was younger? You know, you, you think about it in terms of like, what do I want to do? And, and the, that's answered by what job do I want to hold? What, where, where do I want to live? How many kids do I have? You know, things like that. But, but, but what type of person do I want to come to? I want to, do I want to be a caring and loving person? I think all of that I took for granted. I thought, oh, I, you know, I treat people nice. That means I'm a, I'm a nice person. I treat, you know, I'm, I care for people. I, I'm a caring person. 
but it's not true. Like that, and and I and I remember reading this in the literature. Like that, those are things that I had to work at. I never really thought about that. I needed to work at being a decent individual, a caring person, a loving person, a tolerant person. Um, and I never did work at those things, you know, before coming into this program. Now I do work towards those things. Now I have to put in the time, and, and that that comes from recognizing where I fall short through like a tenth step. Mm-hmm. And saying, you know, did I, did I, did I, uh, you know, did I lie? Was I, was I honest? I guess the question more is, was I honest? Um, you know, did, did, do I owe someone an apology? You know, have I kept something inside that I needed to share with others that I didn't share with others? Those questions prompt me and, and make me examine myself to see, you know, where I fell short or, you know, where I, uh, where I need to work on these things at. And it does it in a way that does not make me feel shameful. That does not make me feel less than. It actually makes me feel stronger and more than and, and, and more complete because I feel like I'm actively working towards a better me. And, you know, and, and I had so much shame and guilt when I came into this program that uh, and I had this hole in my soul that was just closed when I had this connection with the higher power. And that, that hole is never has never opened again, even though I've done things that, you know, I regret doing and I wish I'd done something differently, but nothing like before, you know, I did some shameful things before for sure, but I did some things that, you know, on the grand scheme of things weren't all that bad, but they created this deep shame. You know, it could be just minor things, you know, relative to to, to what people do in the world, but they created deep shame in me, you know, just, just missing a deadline or just, um, you know, being late for something. Because I was thinking that I just wasn't, I, I never, I never matched up and I wasn't worthy, mm. you know, and, and, and people were going to find out, you know, that I just wasn't as smart as they thought I was, or as, as kind as I they thought I was, or just as I just didn't deserve, I, bottom line, I didn't think that I deserved to be loved. And when I came in this program, those things change. And so whenever I fall short, I am no longer crippled with fear or, or like the reflection, I'm no longer paralyzed with this shame and this guilt because I know that that's not who I am. I know that I'm working towards getting better and I'm making an honest attempt at it. And you can't make an honest attempt. I can't make an honest attempt at anything when I'm, when I'm drunk or when I'm, you know, when I, when I have an altered state in my mind and, and these things are coming, coming by honestly. And, and that, that's really freeing. It's really powerful. Whenever I'm working with someone, uh, I'm really just working on myself. You know, mm-hmm. I, you can't, I, I can't, I can't tell, I can't suggest to someone to, you know, do A, B, and C if I'm not doing A, B, and C, right? Yeah. Um, oftentimes, I'm working on myself because I'm resisting the urge to tell them this is how you have to do it. You know, all I can do is share my experience. And whenever when I'm trying to do more than that, that's when my character defects are, are coming into play because, uh, you know, I, I, I want you to do it this way. And, and so that's an opportunity for me to work on myself to kind of resist the urge to, to say, you know, go this way or do it this way. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. And, 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 and I learned, you know, from my sponsor, you know, how, how to do that. And, uh, and it just creates another opportunity um, to do it. And, and I'll say this to your comment for the people that are listening and getting rid of that shame, that guilt, working the steps. Uh, none of that could happen for me until I put down the drink. Like once I put it down, things started to seep in to take hold. And I started to hear things I just wasn't capable of hearing when I'm drunk or hungover. I had to create space in my mind and in my soul 
to receive that information. It just wasn't, I just wasn't going to receive it when I, you know, it just didn't mean the same, but, but when I got in rehab and, you know, a couple of days of not drinking and other things, uh, all of a sudden I started like the fog started to lift. Like, you know, we talk about all these cliches, but we, we, we mentioned them all because they're, they're true and they're accurate ways to describe our experiences and, uh, and, and it described really heavy stuff in view in a very few short words. Um, but the fog started to lift and I could receive things that, uh, that I couldn't. So I think you can, I think people can come in and be overwhelmed. And, uh, and I know for me, at least it was just a relief to just, you know, be told all I got to worry about is, is, is don't drink today. And, 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 you know, I can deal with all the rest of the stuff later. Mm. And all of a sudden that, that rest of that stuff started falling into play. You know, I didn't drink. I went to meetings. Going to meetings was essential because that's where I would hear things like, you know, do the steps, like get a sponsor, hmm. like connect with your higher power. I heard that from you guys by going to the meetings. The meetings are, are still, you know, I, I, I still try to, I, I, I don't try. I do a meeting every day, um, at least one every day. And uh, because those are my headquarters, that's where I get my instructions. Hmm. So for the folks listening that may be new uh, to the program, how do you find your meetings and how did you get a sponsor? Luckily, when I went into rehab, I had this willingness that I didn't know that I needed. Uh, like I said, my marriage was on the, on the verge and I had a two-year-old son and um, I said, you know, I'm at least going to go in here and I'm going to listen to everything they tell me to do. So if this marriage thing doesn't work out, at least I know I tried. And by having that willingness, because I didn't want my son to not be, I didn't want to be without my son every day of my life. And I didn't want my son to be without his father every day in his life. And I said, before that can happen, I'm going to do everything the, they, these people tell me to do in this pro in this, in this rehab. And one of the things they told me to do was that as soon as I left to go to a meeting, put my hand up, tell them I need help and to look for someone who had what I wanted and ask him to be my sponsor. And the first meeting I went to, which is, which is, I got, I was in rehab for 21 days, got out. It was on a Friday. Went to mustard seed, which people in, in Philly know well. Uh, a mustard seed, they t- they say from uh, you have people, everyone in there from Yale to jail, and um, I I saw a guy in there who had twenty plus years of sobriety, had just come back from playing golf. He uh, was a working, you know, professional, and, and seemed like he was really enjoying his life. And I wanted that. I wanted to have you know twenty years of sobriety and still be coming to meetings and still, you know and enjoy my life, you know, cause, I, cause my mind was like, like you stop drinking, you're, it's going to suck. Uh, and, um, so I did that. I did, you know, and I went up to him and I told him, you know, I, I, I raised my hand and, and shared me and tell him I just got a rehab and a lot of people, a, a lot of people give me, gave me their numbers. And the guy who, you know, I saw, I t- told him that I wanted him to be my sponsor. And, uh, and luckily he said, yes. And uh, I shouldn't even say luckily because I don't because no one in this program would say no if they if they extend their hand they extend it for a reason and they mean it uh, we mean it you know when we say call me you know text me whatever we mean that because because we've been in that position so for the new person that's feeling it is a weird situation you know it's a weird it's almost like you're asking someone out and so <laughs> you know just know that, that just know that we've all been there and we're all kind of looking for you to do it. So it's not as no one's going to be like, whoa, what do you what do you mean? New guy just came in from from rehab. You want a sponsor? What are you talking about? We're all going to know exactly what you need and what you should be doing. And and, and there's, you know, don't let that stand in the way. Anything that's that's standing in your way from 
from uh, from looking at these suggestions, it's it's probably the disease talking, and uh, and you gotta you know that's that's one thing you gotta do. You gotta ignore that and and do something different. Well, Riley, I want to thank you for spending time and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience before we we wrap up? Um, you know, I, I I think that one of the things that I that I that I love is the expression. Uh, the expression of how free do I want to be? And uh, I, to me, that means, you know, when we talk about these opportunities, these turning points that come up, like I said, I can either move towards a drink or away from a drink. If I'm not, you know, applying these steps or applying these tools that I've been given, I'm moving, I'm moving towards a drink. And if it comes down to how free do I want to be? Do I want to, you know, linger on this thought or, or this anger? You know, let's say I get a resentment and I'm told if you get a resentment, you got to pray for the other person or at least, you know, connect with my higher power. Sometimes I just want to stew in it. Sometimes I want to, I want to, I feel justifiable anger and I want to keep that, but I'm not free with that. I'm, 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 I'm a slave to that resentment and I'm letting someone else control my thoughts and control my feelings. How free do I want to be? Do I want to do what I know is going to give me some relief from that by, by praying or, or, or releasing it, turning it over? It's a daily question that I can ask myself in any given situation. And, uh, and I think that, you know, when I phrase it like that, how free do I want to be in letting it know that it's up to me and the decision I make? It's a, it's a little easier than when I can, you know, let, let it feel like the world is doing this to me. I can, I can get away from that. And, and if I just use these tools... It's the same solution every time, and, and and that's that's a great thing, and that that helps me to get right size and to and to, and to get free and, and and to be comfortable and, and get that serenity that I love, like mm-hmm. I said. So, I, I, that that would be my advice. You know, just ask yourself when you're feeling out of sorts. You know, how free do you want to be? Because there's just some simple tools you can use to get back to that freedom. Thanks so much, Riley. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Mike. This is a great thing that you're doing, um, and I we really appreciate that you doing this and, and, and carrying the message. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Riley for the words of wisdom. If you want to check out some of the meetings that we mentioned today, Mustard Seed in Philadelphia and Sunrise Semester, you can find those on the Meeting Guide. That's the app with the white chair on the blue background. You can find more information at meetingguide.org. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.